We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 312. Our guest today is coming back on the podcast because he just won the $425,000 Equestrian Realty Five Star Grand Prix at WEF last week, week nine. Such a huge accomplishment. There were only four that made the jump off. So I wanted to have him back on to talk a little bit about his strategy and his mindset going into the class. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Daniel Blumen. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Doing well. Yeah, great to have you back. Um, I know there was a big group of Blumens on a while back. And so excited to have you on, especially with such great news of winning the most recent five star in Wellington. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's get right into it. Tell me a little bit about the kind of maybe weekdays leading up to Saturday night's class, kind of how you were preparing a little bit about your strategy and um, a little bit about, you know, not only how you were preparing your horse, but how you prepare for such a large event like that. Yeah, well, the time that we spend in Florida is normally a time that I like to focus on developing the young horses and spending a lot of time with uh, with my family and then with the different uh, riders that uh, that I mentor. So when it comes to competing in Wellington, I've, I've learned to be very patient and just wait for for the right class for, for my, my competition horses, my more seasoned horses. In Wellington, you know, in order to win one of the big classes, you got to take your big guns. You know, you're not going to be able to win a Grand Prix here with a young horse. That normally is not going to happen. The competition is very hard. It's very strong. You know, it. Uh, there's great riders and horses. So for... For, for last week, it wasn't any different. You know, I had a plan of, of just jumping Ladriano a couple of the weeks here in Florida just to get them a little bit going for, for the rest of the year. Uh, a few weeks ago, in the first five-star of the season, he was clear in the qualifier and then in the Grand Prix, I made a mistake and we had one down, one one fault. And uh, then for this week, you know, my plan was just to a little bit be more focused and not make any mistake and give myself a good chance. I know Alan Wade was designing. I've had a lot of success in his courses. He's a phenomenal course designer, you know, very, very tough, very demanding, but very fair with the horses. You know, he really knows what he's doing. So I picked that week because I knew a little bit what to expect and uh, and it played out exactly as I thought it was. So, you know, it's very gratifying when things work out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those classes where um, you can do as much as you can to like prepare and have a plan. But, you know, sometimes the stars have to align too for, you know, just for everything to kind of go as planned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're jumping in very big jumps, very delicate fences, and uh, you can have a perfect plan and the horse go amazing and you finish with one rail down. Yeah. Right. The difference between a beautiful round where you have one down and a beautiful round where you're clear. Many times it's just, uh, I mean, I don't like to use the word luck, but it is, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, the things have to just go your way. The only thing you can do or the best thing you can do is to always have yourself as prepared as possible and have uh, your horse feeling great. 
so that you give yourself a chance. And then if you do that consistently, sometimes everything is going to align and you're going to have a good result. Right, right. Tell me a little bit more about Ladriano. How long have you had him? What are some of his like characteristics? How do you prepare him? Give me the rundown. Ladriano has been with us since he was six and now he's 15. So he's wow. been nine, nine years with us. I have been writing him myself since the, eight, the, the end of his eight-year-old year. So this would be, I don't know, like almost seven years. It's been beautiful. You know, the horse is very, very big, big, big horse. You know, it's uh, always one of the biggest horses in, in any of the class, if not the biggest. Uh, so for that reason, it has taken a long time to work his dressage in a way that he allows us to, to really work his body the right way uh, so that he can fit inside the short lines and, you know, he can be fast enough in the jump ups, you know, so there's a lot of work and hours that, uh, that we've spent with Ladriano in order to have him as, as smooth as he is right now. Uh, he's a wonderful horse though. You know, he understands the game. He's uh, very scopy, very careful, very smart, sensitive, you know, he's uh, just a special, special, special animal. So, you know, we, we love him very much, obviously. What did Saturday look like for him? Like, how did you prepare him? Does he take it? Does he take a lot to kind of get ready, or is he he pretty much ready to go by like at by that time in the week? Yeah, well, it depends. I mean, it depends a little bit uh, on on different factors. But this week in particular, he had a, just a small class that he jumped at the beginning of the week, and then he didn't do anything else until until after for the for for the Grand Prix. You know, mm-hmm. so that was his his class after. And uh, actually, I have to say that that night he was quite fresh. You know, he he I rode him uh, about an hour before the class started and he was really, really fresh. <laughs> so I worked him a little bit so that he could just sort of get all the anxiety out. And then after that, I got on early before the class because I knew he was going to be a little bit anxious. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just up with the horse like for about 20 riders, just, you know, just connecting with him and walking around and, you know, doing some simple dressage exercises. But uh, he was game on. You know, we we were really connected. We know each other for many years, and uh, and things were in the right place. And I know that if I could just go in and be in my zone and make the right decisions inside of the ring, we had a strong chance of jumping clear. And uh, it was one of those nights that I really liked because there were not really many clean. You know, when I come in, the, when I came in the ring, there were only three clear, and there were only two after me. Yeah. So I know it was the type of class that that we can win. We've won classes like this in the past. Uh, with similar conditions so so I was very very excited you talked about getting in your zone what does that kind of take uh like walk me through a little bit how you feel like you have the most clarity going into a class you know that's that's difficult to 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 explain but I mean after years of doing it I think the moment that you're able to channel a little bit the anxiety and the excitement Mm -hmm. and you know all of that uh and you are able to sort of get connected with your horse in a way that almost everything else seems quiet you know so and i know i recognize that i was in that zone when i was just warming up with the horse you know i was very calm and but very zoned you know like everything seemed going a little bit slow motion and everything was quiet and and i just had a lot of clarity of how i wanted to ride and how and what i wanted to feel and uh, uh and it's beautiful you know when it goes like that it's beautiful it was definitely more than the class, which I mean, we've won that class before, and we have won multiple Grand Prix in Wellington, him and I, and and it's obviously always special to win a five star Grand Prix. But but more than winning, it's to be able to have those sensations and and that feeling of connection with your horse and being able to to do something with it. You know, that's that's right. really what was the most exciting, exciting and and proud for me. 
Definitely. Now let's talk a little bit about the course walk. Give me the rundown of like what you were thinking. Were there um, certain elements or lines that had maybe, you know, there were different opinions with other riders as far as, you know, plans. And yeah, tell me a little bit about what you were thinking during the walk. Yeah, during the walk, I, I, I was thinking exactly what I was anticipating, a, a beautiful, uh, difficult, demanding course, demanding a lot of rideability, demanding a lot of, of uh, control of, of your horse's stride, you know, with very tall verticals and uh, and, and wide square, square oxers. Already from one to two, you had an option. From three to four, you had an option. From five into the water, that delicate plank into the open water, you had an option. After the water, there was another option. And then, you know, you had uh, three lines in a row where you didn't have an option, but the, but the lines were difficult, you know, mm-hmm. which many times is actually more difficult than having an option because right. the course designer is pretty much telling you exactly how many strides you have to do. There's no option about it, and they're either going to be short or long. So that was actually very technical. And then all the way to the end with a very big oxer, you know, triple combination at the end with very short strides to a very tall vertical with the Liverpool as a second to last. Oh, it was, I mean, it was when you have a Grand Prix like this and, and, and only such few clear rounds, you know that the class was difficult because mm-hmm. the, the level of horses and riders is, is pretty pretty strong. And, and if there's only four clears, then you, you better make sure that... Uh, you watch the class because it was it was technical and challenging. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you ever wonder what a world would be like to have pets and not deal with the massive amounts of pet hair everywhere? If you're a pet owner, you know how frustrating it can be to clean up pet hair from your furniture, your carpet, your clothes, you name it. Well, Uproot Clean understands the struggle. They have these pet hair remover tools that help gently remove entangled pet hair from carpeted stairs, car mats, furniture, clothing, and even saddle pads. We tested Uproot Cleaner Pro on a variety of surfaces, including my favorite blanket at home, my couch, and definitely tried those saddle pads. We were so impressed with how well it removed pet hair from all of these surfaces, and it was so satisfying to use. The Uproot Cleaner Pro is a great tool for all pet owners. It's super affordable, easy to use, and it's really effective at removing pet hair from a number of places. So whether you have a dog or cat that sheds like crazy, I am thinking about those black yoga pants that just get covered in hair every time you're trying to leave the house and lint roller just won't do, or us equestrians having horses, especially during shedding season, where literally you can use a saddle pad one time and then it is just coated in hair. Uproot Cleaner is the way for you. So visit their website at uprootclean.com. That's U-P-R-O-O-T-C-L-E-A-N.com for more information and to take a look at their awesome products. Now, obviously with such a big horse, um, I'm sure a lot of your work at home has to do with you know, collection exercises and things to you know, really get him to rock back. What, what kind of things do you like to set up at home? Yeah, but it's not only that, you know, you have collection is very important, but people forget that in order to be able to collect, you first have to be able to have your horses going forward nicely, mm-hmm. you know, into your hand, you know, then after that, you can start collecting because otherwise I see a lot of people working in collecting, collecting, but the collection is false. You know, yeah. your horse cannot go forward first and there's nothing to collect. 
So yeah, we do a, you know a lot of dressage, simple dressage all the time. You know, working on on rideability. I don't like to use crazy beats or special stuff. I just use normally at home a a loose ring snaffle or you know a variation of something like that. But always very very simple. And then just do a lot of transitions and you know work a little bit falls in the ground and cavalletti work and you know just try to keep it simple for the horses and for the horse's body, but at the same time be able to master that right ability and those changes or transitions that you have to do when you're when you're in the ring for him being such a big horse of course that back in the day that was something that we had to really be on it pretty consistently and uh, when he was still in, in in the production phase you know when he was seven mm-hmm. eight nine still maybe 10 but then since he's been 10 and up to now he pretty much knows how it is and the only thing we have to do is sort of keep working his body so that he's fit and 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 supple you know right definitely as you were about to go in you know kind of knowing a little bit about how everyone else had done before you knowing how many riders were after you knowing how many were uh, how, how little riders were you know clear for the jump off how much does that affect your ride um obviously you there there's an element of it where you know it's you and your horse you know, against the course and the clock, but how much does it affect, you know, based on who has gone before you? A lot, huge, yeah. actually. And I've been strong to say that I feel that some changes need to be made in the rules mm-hmm. because the draw shouldn't be based on luck. The draw should be based on performance, especially the draw for, for jump-offs. You know, the more information that you have before you go into the ring, the better chance you have to succeed. You know, that's that's the bottom line. doesn't mean that I haven't won classes going first or first in the jump off or performed well in big tracks when I had to go first and didn't have much information. No, I mean, you can still perform well, but the the more you get to see if you're able to control your anxiety and the pressure, mm-hmm. then the more information you have, which gives you a better chance to jump a clear round, jump a good round. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. What would you say is, uh, was there like a, a point in the jump off that you felt like you had it? Was it like what right at the end that you you know you didn't know until the end what what was your thought process going through the jump off it's a very difficult uh jump off with with fast riders and yeah and, and fast horses so uh, i think that if you stop at some second and you think uh, to, to think that you have it then you're gonna lose it uh-huh. so there were, at no time i thought i had it but i knew from the beginning that i was on it you know mm-hmm. and my plan was just to compete con- to continue to be on it all the way to crossing the the timers and I do think, you know, when, when I landed off the last jump, I had a very good feeling that that should have been enough. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I had taken all of the risks and, and everything came out really smooth. Uh, Ladriano and I were able to just sort of uh, canter around without having to make many interruptions or, or changes in his, in, in his canter, mm-hmm. which allow him then to be very fast because although he's a big horse, the thing that that really makes him slow is when you have to slow down to then pick up a big canner again, you know, for him right. to gain speed quickly is difficult. But if I'm able to pick up a good speed from the first jump and keep that speed all around, he can be as fast as the little horses. Yeah. So I was pretty confident when I landed that 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 should have been enough. And then, of course, when you when you know it was enough, it's extremely gratifying. And, yeah. you know, you are very proud of your team and your horse, you know, and appreciate the atmosphere and the and the crowd. Oh, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a beautiful moment. Yeah, you had a pretty packed crowd. I yeah, feel like Saturday there was night like, here in Wellington. 
Yeah, I heard I from from people who I, I watched on the live stream, but I know for people who attended, um, there was like standing room only at some point. So that yeah, that's so fun, and I feel like such a such a cool part of of Wellington and and especially the Saturday night classes. Yeah, Saturday night in Wellington always has a special atmosphere, and that's cool because you don't really have get to have it in any other class during Wellington or mm-hmm. pretty much most of the classes in the United States don't have a huge atmosphere. So the few shows, the few venues that do have it, you know, it's it's appreciated and uh, it makes it even more fun for the rider and the horse. Definitely. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Well, I mean, it's difficult for me to say if they talk a lot about it or not a lot about it. But one thing that I can say is that I'm very, very much into connecting with the with my horses you know i i like to establish a relationship with my horses i like to be able to understand them as as an individual and and be able to maximize their potential you know uh the day-to-day and the life around the farm the life around the horses for me is really essential for what we do it gives me so much happiness and so much confidence i feel that uh in some cases some people get extremely distracted by by being competing all the time and you know mm-hmm. trying to win this or win that or a lot in the competition ring and they forget to actually spend the time at, at the farm with the with your horses with your with the grooms with the team and it makes a big difference you know and for me that's really really special what does the rest of your year look like this year i will do the world cup finals in April and then from there i'm gonna head home to new york and from new york i'll be traveling to different shows, both in the States, you know, in, in North America and, and in Europe, you know, so it's always a busy season, but, you know, I have a nice group of horses. And as I said, I try to always be with them. So I'll be going to shows and then going back home and spending a lot of time in the trails and in the mountains in New York, which we really enjoy and they really enjoy and, you know, continue to have this horseman life. That's really what, what motivates me. Yeah, definitely. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to give me the rundown of the class. Congratulations again. That was such a great win. And I wish you all the best with the rest of your season. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.